You know who this is. Welcome to the Pure Individual Podcast. On this episode of the Pure Individual Podcast, we have our guest, Jesse Klein. She is a doctor and a splenic projector with 4-6 profile. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you, Brayton. It's good to have you on. It's good to be here. It's been a few months since I've seen you. That's true. Yeah. I've been definitely a little more aloof now that, you know, my Saturn return is winding down and I'm back in the the town I grew up in. And I'm really feeling that detachment that isn't something, you know, it's one thing to hear about it, to read about it, and then to watch your body actually pull you away. And it changes the way you engage with everything, you know, it changes the way I've engaged with social media, it's changed the way I engage with the relationships with career. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I guess that makes sense. We haven't seen that much of each other lately. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've been on on the roof pulling away. There's that, that's a really it's a really natural movement though. You know, it's a it's, it's natural for for a six line to to do that, and it's your body, so there's nothing to do. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. What do, what do we want to do? And the body's always always battling against the personality one way or another. So yeah, what's that been like for for you network wise as a four six? You know, uh, I was actually talking to Brandy about this the other day. She was sharing how she recently went to a wedding and how she was there, but she wasn't there. (laughs) So I I definitely feel that, you know, I still, I still get pulled into events that happen in my network, obviously, you know, I still am invited into things, but it's almost as though everything that I engage with has road like rose colored glasses on or not even necessarily I would say rose colored glasses because that makes it seem like it's I don't know like unicorns and rainbows it's more like I just have a a barrier between me and what's going on and everything that I see I'm a little bit detached from it and that actually allows me to see so much more that actually happens in the situation so yeah it was fascinating it was fascinating to to kind of engage in that way, you know, we just came through the the major holiday season and my brother and his kids were here visiting. And so it was just interesting to be able to watch everything that was happening in my family and have a whole nother level of aloofness and watch things that were happening and not take them personally. And, uh, and I, and I, I see how healing that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's really healing to not. Well, you know, I take things personally as a pure individual. Everything's very personal for me, but yeah, um, yeah, that's how I maintain the purity of my individuality. But it's it doesn't mean that things aren't blameless, right? Yeah. Um, I could still take something personal, but I still know it's blameless. You know, mechanically, I can just see, yeah, okay, well, there's that. You know, it's not a it's something that human design i think can can really seal up a lot of a lot of cracks that we might have with our family or friends or you know people that we engaged with before we entered into our process because there's very much a a life before design and then a life after design uh, once you really enter into it still build kind of dies and you've got to reconnect with those people again yeah 
Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely agree. There is a life kind of before and after design. I know you and I have really connected on that in the past of the, the life that we had before design, you know, obviously I don't want to say, I know exactly what you went through in your experiences, but I know that we have kind of bonded over that more or less, you know, this kind of some of your experiences that you had when you were, you know, fighting terrorists for lack of a better, (laughs) lack of a better way to describe it. And, um, kind of the situations you were put in and then me, you know, having the experience of working in a hospital, a very, one of the largest children's hospitals in the Southwest region and being very, you know, being in that space of being very, being very close to other people who were very close to death Mm -hmm. and, and how much that changes you, you know, like being in a space where the, the veil between life and death is very thin I Mm. think I think when you go through those experiences um there are certain things in your reality that uh that are never quite the same and like I know that I think you and I also share this where it's like you understand that the life that you had when you were in those situations wasn't sustainable for you in the long run but you also miss some of that and have longed for that way of some parts of that way of life. And uh, I know that for me as well, like there was something about being in that environment that made me feel very, very alive. And I have a longing for it, but I also know why I can't go back to being in that environment because, you know, as a, as someone who has seven open centers, a completely open solar plexus, it was very challenging for me mentally, physically, and emotionally. Right. Um, yeah, I remember. I remember remembering that now. Um, yeah, that was something that we definitely bonded over. It's. It, and I, you know, I wasn't. It's not necessarily that I was surprised, but it was. It was nice to to have you reach out to me on that because people don't. People don't get it. Yeah. You don't get it. People don't understand, and I think this is one of the. This is this is what happens when a seventeen and a sixty-two yeah. together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh people don't people don't understand a lot. I mean, a lot a lot of conversations that happen in design and a lot of the you know, I would just say the the inner cultures in the you know what people would would think our communities mm-hmm. uh, it's just far out there in the sense that there's not there's people aren't in touch with what what the fuck is actually going on they're yeah. not in touch with what the world really is mm-hmm. uh, you know the the idea that you know uh, things are not going to get hectic mm-hmm. at some point in time mm-hmm. it is absurd mm-hmm. right now we are all very much reaping the benefits of the end of the cross of planning right now we are all very much reaping what it is to to be in a cross where western civilization has been propped up through the through the cross of planning because 400 years ago it wasn't that same way that it is now um, and that's going away and so there's a there's this reliance on 
you know, all the reliance on the institutions that people have, and yet they're in design and they still rely on the institutions. They still rely mm-hmm. on community structures. They, they're not individuating. They're not, you know, mm-hmm. acting out of, out of their authority to the point where that is the end all say all. And it's really difficult if you're somebody that has been in situations where you have to, more or less, even if it's before design, you have to act out of uh, an awareness that you can't rely on other people. Mm-hmm. If you're saving, yeah. if you can't rely on somebody else, you can't. There's not a way. You can't. I know I've been there before. I mean, a thousand percent. You can't. You can't rely on somebody to to help you. Like, you you, you just can't. And, and I think that's like. You know, we talk about the end of the cross of planning. We talk about 2027, and it seems like to a lot of people, like, is like they think that four years is a long time. Yeah, or they think it's a game. Like, they don't really fully realize the the brevity. Yeah, I mean, it's a second away. It's a second. You know, it's not even. It's not not far away at all. And I think that that's something in in design that can be difficult because we're we're talking about you know, the transformation of somebody's life while you're alive. And when you've been through experiences like that, um, it, it, relating can be a little bit hard because mm-hmm. you're just, you're not the same. Like me, I, you know, I, I used to, I used to hunt terrorists. I used to hunt really, really bad people. The worst, mm-hmm. people, the worst of the worst. Yeah. And the closest that, the, the you know the the closest you could get to ISIS would be the Nazis and the Nazis were actually arguably more civilized than than ISIS so you know it's it's not uh, I've been in situations that weren't weren't pretty and and I feel good about everything that I've done and I'm proud of everything that I've done you know there's mm-hmm. I sleep like a baby uh, you know but mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah it's, it's one thing when when you've been in those situations where you have to save somebody and you can't rely on somebody else where's the institution to help you where's the the person to help you where's the community to help you it's not there mm-hmm. it's not there you have to rely on your own awareness you have to rely on your own intellect and your own your own skill set and i think that when you you're somebody that has been in those situations like you and i have been in life or death situations multiple times you know over yeah. and over over again, not just once or twice or three times. Um, I think it can make relating to people and design difficult. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't relate to me physically being me being the one who's in the life or death situation, but I can absolutely relate to having life or death in in my hands. And and you know, and I hate to say it, I think the cross of planning has provided a lot of illusion of security as well, because even within a highly detailed uh, organizational system like a hospital, I, I can't, I can't even count. Like there have been dozens of times when I've had to act out of pure instinct, and, and it, it's nothing that I learned. It's nothing that was within the the policy book and in some instances it was perhaps against the policy book but you do what you have to do in those situations you know and um and yeah i've seen i've seen some crazy things i've seen you know some of the worst like child abuse cases you you could imagine i've seen like 
like everything that you would see on the news, like a, yeah. a, a drowning, a, I worked with a seven-year-old once who had jumped out of a car that was going 65 miles an hour. I mean, just, uh, you know, kids with, with cancer, just the, you know, all the things that you could imagine. Um, and yeah, perhaps you can relate to this as well. Like, I, I think the reason why design really got my attention in the first place was because I had this, this awareness that there were so many times that my body would react before I could mentally catch up, <laughs> you know, like the, there have been so many times where I've been asked, like, how did you do that? Like, um, you know, like I, I had a 15 year old girl, I was like helping her get up and walk for the first time after she had a really major surgery and she ended up fainting and it was like, she was really medically stable. So it was a really fluke situation that shouldn't have happened. And somehow I, like this girl was like the same size as me, but some somehow it was like instinctually, I knew that it was gonna happen before it happened and my body just moved. And I, not only did I catch her, but I caught her in a way that preserved her, all, all the surgical precautions that she had had. Like I, I was able to basically like scoop her up and then the nurse ran in and then he helped me, but he's like, how in the world did you, how did you react so fast? And I was like, I, I don't know. It was out of my control, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? Um, and perhaps you can relate to that too. Like there were circumstances where you just, you just, you, you kind of like had an out of body experience. Like you watched your body do something. Yeah. I used to, I, I used to have a lot of cognitive experiences when I was when I was fighting. Um, it's it's really interesting to see to see and experience things like that um, before design, and then you come into design, and and then you get the answers. You know, everybody used to always think that it was people didn't understand how I could hit people when it was pitch black. But I mean, I I could hit targets as pitch black. I don't know how. Well, I know how now. Inner vision. Um, I could sense when the enemy was coming from the side, from behind us, minutes before anybody else could. Um, mm -hmm. I could just sense through the acoustics, through the sound, through the vibration. I could sense that there was something that was coming um, ahead of time. And so it was always, you know, at first it was like, is he crazy? And then it was like, okay, he's not crazy. Um, and, you know, it wasn't something that, that's not something that in any other situation really my vehicle is going to, you know, cognitively give me that, right? But my vehicle is going to cognitively give me that to keep me alive, right? And mm -hmm. so um, having those senses was, was interesting. Um, and bombs, bombs were interesting as well. I knew where bombs were. And I remember I was listening to the From the Right lectures and, and Ra had talked about um, how when countries do you know, studies on soldiers that can detect things that they're really just doing studies on soldiers that are that have that are right basically mm -hmm. that are that mm -hmm. are detecting frequencies mm -hmm. um so yeah it's it's when you have those experiences when you don't you know you you don't necessarily think that your mind is in control of everything and then you find design and it kind of gives you answers well, it does give you answers I think that it's it's really something to drop into, and then like you know, there's like the other side of it where people come into design and they're still in the mind, 
And like, then they've got to like let go of that. And that's like a whole yeah. other process that's on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, how do you, how do you approach that with, you know, people who come to you for guidance and when they're really struggling with even just discerning what is their authority and what is their mind? I, you know, it's, I, it's, it's interesting because I, I think a lot of it has to do with, with my conditioning and, and my, my configuration, my openness. I've got a completely open Ajna and I grew up uh, around a defined Ajna. My own has a defined Ajna. So I have a lot of discernment when I come into mental fields um, of allowing that conditioning to move through me. Um, mm and you know just the overall intellectual process of allowing the thoughts to move through me uh, and mm -hmm. thoughts and so i don't i don't cling to because i don't cling to certain ideas or or certain certainties outside of individual knowing but that's not a mental process um somehow the conditioning comes through that the mind is just not that's not it um you know i couldn't really explain my process of doing it mm -hmm. i have been i have been told that and it was it was by a predecessor that i'm that i that i am in the business of disabling the mind hmm. And it really just has to do with getting people into their body. And it's interesting because it's not, it's not a, you know, the last thing when it comes to design is to say, get out of your mind, get into your body. Cause mm -hmm. it's not about that. Human design is very mental, very, very yeah. mental. It's about training the mind to do what it's good at. Yeah. And conditioning the mind, giving another thing, a better conditioning field, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So it's, it's about giving the conditioning for the mind to do what it's good at, which is measure. You know, it's a beautiful tool. I, I, I love my mind. I, lo I love using the mind, uh, but it's not the authority. And so it's, it's never a, it's never a task of saying, get out of your head and get into your body because mm -hmm. well, that's not going to solve anything. Um, from a rave psychology standpoint, that's not going to fix anything. We still need to be able to watch the mind and and see where we're going especially for projectors uh so it's very much just about giving the conditioning that is is going to be best for that client and everyone you know every client's going to have a different motivation they're going to have a different view a different configuration um they're going to take the conditioning in a different way so a lot of it is actually just really trusting my vehicle because that's you know my my throat is is it's not conscious you know, my channel of awakening, my channel of inspiration, they're not conscious. It's just the vehicle. Mm. So it's trusting the vehicle to to go ahead and, and, and give the conditioning that, that I give. Um, is really, you know, the, the moment that I hop in and, and have my personality try to take over, it's not going to work. But if I allow my vehicle to give the acoustic conditioning, then the, you know, the, the mutation is going to come through. Yeah. That was cute. That was my 57 was like, how do you know? How do you know? And your, your 10, 20 is like, I don't know how I, I do what I do. <laughs> That's my, you know, I'm a pure collective. I don't know anything. 
Yeah. I, I understand a lot, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, there's, it's a different process. You know, my process is only a knowing process. The only yeah. the logic that I have is just, is from conditioning, which there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but you know, it's interesting when you, when you find out you're a pure individual, because you, you find out that you, you don't operate through logic at all. And like, that's, you know, you have that conditioning for it to, to, to move through the world. Right. But everything comes through knowing it all comes through this mystical process that comes literally out of nowhere. And so it's, it's interesting because it's just not, I, I do it in, in the sense of I can communicate, I can use logic to move through the world, right. I can do it to mm-hmm. move, collect it, but. Um, you know, for you, it's, that's, that's your, that's your craft. You know, it's not yeah. my craft. Yeah, for sure. And I really appreciated that about, you know, when we work together during projector immersion and it also makes sense now that you're, you're kind of explaining your process to me about how you're conditioning other people and you know what to condition them with, because I feel like that's exactly what you did condition me with at the time. Like you were conditioning me with the patterns that I needed to draw my focus to Mm -hmm. yeah you know at a time in my life where I was still very I I was trying to know you know basically my whole spirit my whole quote-unquote spiritual seeking trip that I was on was all about trying to know (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I think that very much that you know it's 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 funny because I always forget, like, I always forget the way that I do things until somebody reminds me, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's well, you much- don't see yourself as a projector. You really don't see yourself as a like, right projector. Yeah. And I'm a two, four. Yeah. So I have no, yeah. I have no, really no clue what I'm good at or, or anything like that. Only, you know, through recognition. And I do remember that was something with you was that you, you had a, you were coming out of a spiritual trip and mm-hmm. I remember that was something that was interesting for you because you have hope motivation, which is inherently spiritual. And I understand that as the second one through resonance. Um, but it's not necessarily like, you know, about the spiritual trip. It's about knowing what's of spiritual value or what's not. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it was, I think for me at the time watching myself, um, give the conditioning. I think that that's what it was about was however my body was like, okay, well, we can take this and separate it and then we can give this and this mm-hmm. should probably give us the, you know, the right result. Um, mm-hmm. because it is a very different process and you, you know, you, you have to have the right focus, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have the right focus then all of the, you know, all of that focus that you have, and you know the strategic brilliance that you have it, it's wasted if it's given the right the wrong focus and so i think it was very much a that was part of it was making sure they had the right focus and the right patterns to understand um, and some of the you know the right logic uh, the right mm-hmm. logic framework to understand yeah for sure i think it, you know it's kind of interesting because i feel like the fact that I went on that whole spiritual trip that I went on, in a way, it opened me up to mysticism, which opened me up to the idea of human design because there was a there was a part of my life uh, 
long, long time ago, you know, when I was in physical therapy school, when I wouldn't have, have even been open to something like human design. So it's kind of ironic because the it was being more open to spiritualism and esoteric concepts that even opened me up to human design in the first place. But the deeper I got into human design, the deeper I got into my process, the less spiritual I became, or at least homogenized spirituality. Right. right. <laughs> it's like, uh, and I, I think it's something I do have a lot of hope for though, when I look out into the collective spaces is people are, and, and it's funny, this is coming out of my mouth. You know, we have the sun is in gate 60 right now, but I think people are coming out of these spiritual spaces of like being limitless, you know, being, being obsessed with limitlessness and free will and choice and all this stuff. And they're realizing mm -hmm. how much that isn't working for them and how understanding your limitations in this physical reality. Uh, it, I mean, yeah, like how, how much more beneficial that is, like how much healthier that is. Um, <clears throat> and there, I, I, I watch this, I watch people, I am, I'm watching people leave like homogenized spirituality in droves right now. And I feel like that's just going to continue to happen. And so we shift the frequency. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everything is, Neptune is destroying gold right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Pluto's the destroyer. So we're, yeah, we're definitely going into a time where that's, you know, it, it's it's going to change. We're going to the individual spirit instead of the community spirit, right? So the individual mm -hmm. spirit is, is going to be, that's that's what's going to to, to reign for a year pretty soon. And, and there is a, it really is, you know, like the emphasis on homogenized spirituality because i think that for me human design is inherently spiritual because i don't think there's mm -hmm. anything more for me there's nothing more spiritual than being your own authority mm -hmm. having your own authority and then and, and not not giving that authority up to anybody you know it's it's uh and then and then knowing and understanding that you can receive outer authority from somebody else that is in their authority, right? That you, you can receive that, and that's not advice. That's not an opinion. That is that's outer authority. That's uniqueness that you're receiving. But there's nothing that uh, that can really move you when you're in your authority. I mean, at all. If you're really in your, yeah. there's nothing that can move you. You know, it's 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 apparent to me when when I. You know, when I speak with uh, those that I go to, my advisors, and the outer authority that they give me is unique and is very different from from me. Um, and you know, then there's the process of when my clients come to me, and I give them outer authority, and it's all based upon uniqueness. It's not mm -hmm. based upon. I'm right, you're wrong, this is the best way to do that. It's all based upon uniqueness is the way that I see things. And, mm -hmm. you know, in, in a lot of spirituality in the Western world, it's very much, this is the right way to do it, this is the wrong way, because this is what the guru said, you know. Um, and that's just not, that's just not, not the way human design is. I don't, you know, I remember in immersion when I'd be like, well, you know, if, uh, if you don't like what I have to say, then it's like, fuck you, Brayton, and that's okay. 
You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> you don't like it. You don't like yeah. Brady Cool. Like, you know, it's not a, it's, it's not, human design is very much about sovereignty. Mm-hmm. It's not, a, it, it's not about indoctrinating people with any sort of you know, guru's ideas or views of this is the best way to live your life or best way to be. Um, you know, and it's certainly not saying that we're all the same, you know, we're not all the whole chart, <laughs> you know, we're not, right. you know, where we are our definition, especially projectors. Um, and I think that the uniqueness and the self-sovereignty, uh, you know, being your own authority, for me, that is, is, is very, very spiritual. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I I like to think about it too. Like it's kind of going on that journey from this, you know, having trying to have this intimate relationship with this greater force that's outside of you versus the greatest intimate relationship you're ever going to have is with your own vehicle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, and finding the magic in that, which I think, you know, second color, second lines, we kind of share that. And there is kind of a a magic behind that once you get on that cor- correct trajectory mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's every time that we you know we come to second line second color we're always looking at spirituality in some way shape or form and we're always looking at discernment and, and something that's not you know anticipating something that's not there yet um and for for me as a second line, this is something that I was just, I had come into my awareness the other day and I'm glad that it's coming into my awareness again that I remember it because I was thinking about the call because I've had multiple calls in my life. I've had um, theological calls, I've had you know, been called for combat operations, I've been called to human design, I've had multiple calls and every single call was about discerning what was of spiritual value. Every call was about discerning what was of spiritual value because I've had many calls and I still continue to get them. Um, but many of them are not of any spiritual value. And so it's, it, it has to do with, uh, you know, determining what is of spiritual value, just like determining what is worth hoping for. Right. Um, so I think that there's a, a large piece of, of discernment and, you know, discernment in the sense of not, you know, what's going to get the greatest reward or what's going to obtain this or that, but what is of spiritual value. And it, of course it's to that individual, it's to that person. What is of spiritual value to them? You know, in my case, what was of spiritual value to me? It was of spiritual value to me to stop a genocide. It was a spiritual value to me to, to eradicate uh, you know, uh, an enemy of, of the species, that, that was a spiritual value to me. It's also a spiritual value to me to um, to guide, to mentor, to teach, to facilitate for others. You know, it's so it's very, um, it's unique. You know, when, when we, when we, if we're going to talk about spiritual value and spirituality and human design, well, we got to rip down the whole fucking homogenized idea of love and light and all that stuff. You know, it's like, gotta for rip sure. Down. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And you've often talked about too, uh, you know, several different calls, even within 
human design, you know, talking about rightness, talking about being a pure individual. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm curious because, you know, we've talked about you're a pure individual, I'm purely collective. How do you see the roles between pure individuals and pure collectives? And maybe too, if, if you want to talk about like what that looks like in a not self world versus what that looks like in a correct world. Oh yeah. I I can go on this one for a while. Um, It's so different. It's, it's the opposite. It's, it's (laughs) really like uh, for the individual, the experience of the collective is, is just in the not self world in the context of the not self is nothing but resistance because Mm -hmm the the pure individual that's and it's interesting because in order for consciousness to get mapped in order for consciousness to advance at all it has to happen through individuality however it has to get mapped by the collective so this is why we have such i mean this is why homogenization is such a big issue is because the 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 not self collective rejecting individuality so no mutation happens and so when when the individual and the individual can't necessarily approach the collective alone the individual has to usually go through the tribe that's usually the process the the tribe is attracted to the individual they say oh we need new genetics this is something different you know here's there's this who is this person they're walking alone they're different they pull them in and then the individual will get the tribal support and then they can move towards the collective you know from there and as an individual it's it's very much there is resistance from the not self collective resistance because they don't want they don't want things to change they don't want the rules to change and pure individual is going to change the rules period it doesn't matter who anybody is because we're designed to be able to operate alone doesn't mean that we want to operate alone because the in in the ideal world and in in my experience with collective beings that are not not self that is some of the greatest assistance that I get is from collective beings that are not not self because that is the role the 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 more collective somebody is the greater responsibility they have to heal the individual spirit the more collective somebody is that's what that's what the role is the role is not to to create you know large collective laws and 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 rules to to enforce that's not the role of the collective it's to go through the steps that are necessary to test to experiment to document the experiences know know the history have all of that so that that can be used and and shared with the individual for the mapping of consciousness Um, but it's as an individual that's like one of your the, the biggest things that that an individual runs into and it's it's really bizarre when you for any pure individual it's bizarre when you start to look at circuitry and then you start to look at the circuitry of people around you and you're like whoa because mm-hmm. then you can see why okay this purely this person's purely tribal okay what's my interaction with them you mm-hmm. know this person's you know mainly collective what's my interaction with them and you kind of start to see it map out how that circuitry interacts with you because when you when you're a pure individual, you always have a sense of I, me. This is what I am. You don't have anything that connects to other people, and so that that you know that individuality is always there. Even if you're in a conditioning field, you're you're there's still a piece of you as a pure individual that says I don't belong. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's really 
when I talk about this, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a little bit sad, but the, the, the mm-hmm. truth of the matter is that if you're an individual, you, you are alone no matter what. If you're a pure individual, you are always alone. It doesn't matter if you are in a room full of people uh, or with your family. It doesn't matter where you are. You are alone. And you're designed to feel that you are alone because if you don't feel like that, you're not going to be able to face the world. You're not going to be able to face what you have to do. If you're a purely mutated being, that is your genetic predisposition because we are a genetic species is to mutate, to change, to bring change. And the only way that that you can do that is if you can stand on your own two feet and your own truth against however many tribes in the collective by yourself. Not that that's the ideal situation, but if you can't, then then there, there's not a way. There's not a way that you're going to be able to withstand it. And so there's just this inherent aloneness um, in us that we always have to feel. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just what we're designed to, you know, that's the experience we're designed to have. Um, but I think that when, you know, in my experience, when, you know, interacting with collected beings when collected beings are are their true self there is not the you don't run into the the collective the collective law enforcement we don't run into you know we don't run into that because um, as a pure individual it's like you know it's interesting too because it, it's gonna a lot of the times it's gonna come from the collective logical circuit that's when the, where the individual is going to run into trouble a lot of the time and and it's it's funny though because it's it's actually the trouble ends up being for the collective because then you got the you have the individual on your hands and you don't want (laughs) nobody wants a pure individual on their hands um because it becomes very personal right Mm -hmm. because the collective can't correct a pure individual because what is there to correct about something that's mutative and different it can't be corrected and so there's a you know, there's kind of, there's two ways that it can be going about. The not-self way is stop the mutation. Let's hamper it. Let's stop what, whatever is new instead of let's observe it. Um, and the true self way, mm-hmm. I think very much is is going to be able to observe it if you're a collective being. Because the thing about being collective is that you're collective logical. You have to have the facts. You have to be able to prove things. Absolutely. And when it comes to an pure individual, nothing can really be proven because it's individual knowing. It's mystical. So it's yeah. like most that the, that can be done is is to observe, and you know maybe document what's happening. Yeah, I don't. Know. I'd like to like right. to what's going on in your awareness about Mul- that. Mul- yeah, like multiple. It's like gathering multiple case studies, but you also have to keep with. You, I think it's important for collective individ- collective beings to have in their awareness that there's always going to be things that are outside of logic. Mm-hmm. You know. And the irony is that we actually know that through observing patterns, <laughs> mm. because there, in some circumstances, there are patterns of uh, the only thing that you can predict is that things are going to be unpredictable, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, everything that you're saying, like especially the part about the collective, um, and and the collective's responsibility to heal the individual. And I really feel that deeply, you know, and um, and what you were saying about circuitry and observing what circuitry is around you. um, Ironically, I feel like I have a lot of pure individuals in my life or a lot of people who have a lot of individual circuitry. 
And I think the thing that I can really appreciate about peer individuals and something that we can perhaps kind of relate to each other on at times is that feeling of not, uh, that feeling of not feeling like you belong. Like I think human beings are hmm. extremely tribal. You know, we're, we're born, when we're born, we are extremely vulnerable. Like I, I would probably go as far as to say we are the most vulnerable species on planet when we're first born the amount of support that we need for the first 20 plus years of our life is absolutely crazy as you know compared to other when you look at other forms of life you know and so peer individuals and, and peer collectives there was no escaping the influence and the support of the tribe that we had in the time that we were young Mm-hmm. And if we weren't supported by a tribe, you know, obviously we we want to be here. And I think that there is, you know, a huge part of us that we that feels that you know, that sense of tribal community, it, it just feels so alien to both of us. Um like I remember when when I was younger, I was like really obsessed with space. It's really fascinated by space. We mm. had this IMAX theater that was like 10 minutes away from the house I grew up in. And there was this space documentary in the IMAX theater that my parents probably took me to go see it like like five or six times because I was like obsessed. And I like this obviously like had some sort of deep impact on me because like I, you know, I mostly left like I I don't remember shit like most movies or shows or documentaries that I watch, if I didn't watch it a few days ago, I, it's like, I'm watching it for the first time, you know? Um, but I remember in this documentary, like it kind of took you through this journey of the astronauts and like their training and then them going up into space and them going up into the international space station. And, you know, there were some astronauts they were following who it was like their very first time, uh, very first time in space and then other ones that were like veterans Mm. and uh it's like I'll never forget that watching that those scenes of those astronauts who were like seeing earth for the first time from above and like just this immense feeling of like oh my god like if if everybody could see what I see and perhaps this is also like somewhat of a six line thing too it's like if I could just if everybody could just see this like collective view that I see you know there would be no problems in the world like mm-hmm. but then at the same time and they, and then you could see that juxtaposed with like the the veteran astronauts and right. they had a lot more like um almost like this sense of despair like yeah like most people are not going to get it. They're not going to get this experience, this, ex- this, this experience of seeing the big picture um, and observing it from the outside. Um, and like, it was interesting because then they would also talk about how like the ones who had been through one other or multiple other trips into space, like they would talk about how when I'm up here in space, I miss my family. I feel this like deep longing to like be back down you know, with, with my family, with my community, you know, I have that longing for that. But then when I'm down there, I realize like, I, I don't fully fit in anymore because, right. you know, because I've had this experience. Um, 
And I think there was a part of me that like, you know, at 10, 11 years old, when I was watching this, like there was a part of me that felt a, a resonance to that of like, I can see things that other people can't. And because of that, like, there's a part of me that's never going to fully be in the group. Like, even like in, in like my experience of high school, like I remember I, I was, I never had like the lunch table that I sat at. Right. You know, like I had like a lot of, I had a network, I had friends, but I'd have like one really good friend and like all these different little tribes or groups or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there was never like one setting that I felt like I belonged in. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of ways that it's different, but I find that I, I relate to pure individuals. Um, yeah, I relate to pure individuals in that sense of never quite feeling like I have belonged, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. The circuitry is interesting. I think it's, and it's, it's so, it's, it's interesting to watch it play out. I mean, like for you being single channel projector, uh, you know, there's like a, a lot of fluidity in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also there's, there's not, because there's that fluidity, there's not like a, you're not rigged, written, you know, me, I'm, I'm Mr. Fixed rigid over here. You know, I'm Mr. Fixed, I'm as fixed as it gets. Um, so there's not, you know, the movement is different, but I think that when you have an open G there, there can definitely be like less of a sense of belonging in a way, because Mm -hmm. you're either going to lock on to like one, you know, you're going to lock onto the person with the defined G and you're going to absorb that conditioning where you're not. And if you're not going to, then you're kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're moving between spaces. Um, and it's not that it, it's not that it's wrong to lock onto it, to define G and, and take that conditioning as long as you're through your authority. Uh, but I could definitely see you know, a single channel collective projector having an experience like that. Um, and it's, yeah, I think any time that you don't have a bunch of circuitry or gates that are going to connect you into like a wall, you know, um, there's always, there's in large groups, there's always going to be kind of that feeling as a projector. I mean, we're not designed to be in groups in the first place. We're designed to guide them from the outside. Um, and so it's, you know, I think that it is telling as a projector that you've had those experiences and that you remember that is that this says something about your, your, your awareness, knowing that you didn't necessarily belong in groups. Yeah. That's another thing about projectors. That's is that we don't belong in groups. Groups are not our thing. You know, we could break off into, you know, small groups, but you know, we're uh, groups are not our thing. You know, we're, either one-to-one or guiding a guiding a penta right and you know outside of that it's like i think the projector that thinks that they're designed for groups is just really mind fucked i mean <laughs> you know i mean you, you i mean i organize groups i organize pentas i mean you've you've seen it you've been in one yeah. with before. um but i'm not a group person right it's like, yeah 
yeah, that was wild at the conference. Um, yeah, there was that, um, that time that we were, you were giving that talk outside and it started to rain. It was really funny to watch you and Mike, the alpha key projectors. And he was like throwing out logical solutions. And then you're like, let's, okay, well, well, let's do it. And you just started walking and there was like a group of people who followed you. And then there was a group of people who followed Mike. And I kind of, I hung back for a little while and I was like walking behind everybody and I was just watching it all go down. And I'm like, this is so fascinating. I know. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is funny is that it, it happened in the perfect, the, I mean, it happened in the perfect fashion in that Mike brought out his logic and communicated with me. Mm -hmm. example of direction a projector any one projector is, is here to be the example of direction and so he communicated with me and then i said yep we're gonna go this way you know it's it's so it happened in perfect fashion it was interesting to watch the mechanics um and i didn't realize that until i was like okay let's go and then everybody starts moving um that that's how it went you know if like if if uh if i was not self or mike was not self there would have there would have been some sort of uh, you know, conflict there between us on what we were going to do. That's what would have happened, but there wasn't. Um, Mike using, you know, his collective logic, self-projecting that, and then me using my direction. And it's, it's interesting as a projector to watch those things, to see how the mechanics actually play out because we didn't have, you know, when, Twenty years ago, there there what there wasn't this data. There wasn't that many projectors. We weren't we weren't waking up. Now we've been waking up for a little while now, but there wasn't very many of us. And so there's not there's there's a lot of a lot of theory and a lot of what we're doing right now is is kind of you know, putting the theory into practice. I think. Yeah, yeah, it was wild. It it was wild to watch. It was one of those moments where you really realize how real the mechanics are it's pretty undeniable yeah can't can't deny definition uh when we were remember when you and me were on panel and mm -hmm. i started speaking your your thoughts yeah and that i think what was really wild about that is it's not like you were just saying any judgments you were speaking very specific judgments that I had collected over the course of that week, over the course of that experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, that's, <laughs> yeah. Being an A1 projector is, uh, I mean, the channel of inspiration spokesperson for, for the group, if you're in, if you're in a group. And so that was interesting. And I remember like looking, looking at you to the side and I was like, I am totally giving collective judgments right now. But I knew that, you know, it was coming from, coming from you. Um, and it's, it's cool to watch those things happen and to see how all of that works together. Because ideally, you know, circuitry works together and, you know, we work together in small groups. Uh, we're definitely not uh, a large group species. I mean, that's all cross the planning. You know, that's what we what yeah. we think. You know, and, and, and our ancestors that was just all organized through uh, the seven centered manifestor force. You know, it was not even uh, necessarily what what we are as as humans. Um, as the nine centered being, we're we're here for communion, so we can see how those things 
how communication works, whether we're in groups or out of groups, but you can see how we need each other for things to happen. You know, like the work of the pure individual is ultimately to mutate and transform the collective. That's the individual exists for everybody else. That's the thing that, that people don't, uh, people could lose sight of, or they're not aware of that the individual exists for everybody else. The individual is not, you know, it's, it's, yes, we have our individuality, but the, we have an, a, a predisposition to mutate, to bring change. We don't do that for ourselves. We do that for everybody else. Mm. Um, and so the, the way that that's done with the least resistance is with the, the sharing of the collective and, you know, the collective providing the, the experimental process, the logical process, the, you know, the abstract sharing process. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking about um, kind of a recent interaction that we had about projectors. Um, Somebody's saying that projectors should be more, should be made more available. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I see a lot about you know, you kind of see the two different, two very different opinions. You see opinions like that about projectors making themselves more available. And then you see, um, you know, obviously that there's a lot of, I think, very necessary conversation around projectors, like getting paid and being obviously a lot more mindful about their energy. And I think that something that I have appreciate about you and appreciate about immersion is that you have provided a lot of nuance for me in that arena as far as yes as a projector um yes you need to get paid but also being a projector takes a lot of discipline right and um you you can't just expect to um you can't just learn that your configuration is a projector and expect to, to guide people the next day, you know? Um, and I think that there's, um, yeah, there's a pattern I see maybe perhaps more so from the side of Instagram that is more of, you know, what you and Sam talk about the pop HD community. Um, but I think that there's a lot of language around projectors getting paid, but it's like they haven't necessarily paid their dues or studied the systems in order to actually demand that that reimbursement and that level of attention. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I that's something that I think I've always appreciated about you, that you, it, it's like, yeah, it's not, we can't just expect, success isn't something that just happens, right? There's there's a lot of time and patience to get to that point. Yeah, thank you, Jesse. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you find out you're a projector and it could be seven years until you get there. It could be a full, full, you know, and it's not, that's not to, 
to speak on the genetic cycle, but the amount of time that it takes to master something could be up to seven years to master mm-hmm. something. And so yeah. it's, and that's where you're going to get the recognition is, is in what you master. You know, to be to be a projector is to master systems. That's that's what we that's what we do. And it doesn't matter what that system is, but you're gonna have to master it if you want the recognition. And if you don't master it, you can't demand the recognition. If you master a system, you master a system, you build a reputation, you you put you know, you pay your dues, then yes, you can demand the recognition. And and demanding the recognition is something that happens energetically without saying anything mm-hmm. your aura is going to demand that and and that's going to come to you but if you don't you know you, you, you find out you're a projector yes success is your birthright but you have to take it yeah for it's, sure this is human design nothing's going to be handed out to you in human design you know this is not a this is it is elitist by by its very nature at its very core human design is elitist um, it is for a very a specific uh, specific group of individuals, uh, very large, but uh, it's not for everybody, and it's it's not nothing is ever given in human design. Not really, you know. You have to put in your own discipline, your own efforts. You have to expend and receive energy. You have to you know, learn. You have to integrate knowledge you have to practically apply the knowledge you have to you know have to apply it in your life it can't just be an intellectual pursuit otherwise it's just intellectual masturbation if you're not doing anything with it it's just more information and you you have to it's funny because you, you you really have to invest in yourself when it comes to human design there's not a way to take the knowledge out of the maya without putting energy into the maya to receive the knowledge um it's just the way the right angle across the maya over here just just telling Mm -hmm. how the maya works that's the way the maya works is the Mm -hmm. the maya works through through dualities and exchanges and you know that's that's something that you know is is apparent to me is that projectors have to put in an enormous amount of discipline uh, and they have to put in some amount of resources and you have to put in an enormous amount of attention, um, you know, and focus or, or, or receptivity into design itself to achieve what success is as your true self. Yeah. I think people sometimes get hung up on the word discipline especially undefined hearts you know and i think that it's not discipline in the sense that you have to exert willpower or you have to like prove how much you have studied or you know it's more to me it's like as i look back on my own process there's there was no way that i could have possibly sped up the process (laughs) You know, it was just, I absorbed the amount of information that I could have at the time. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean, yeah, I think there's a very fine line between that. And there's definitely a balance between trying to 
trying to take in too much, but then also just completely not not showing up to it or assuming that it's just gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, it's important for projectors to know all that. It's important for because it's not anywhere. That's the thing is like at the end of the day, you know, human design was 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 delivered by a, a manifestor that was made up of projected channels, a pure individual course. That's where consciousness is coming from. Um, but it was not built by projectors. The institutions were not built by projectors. The structures were not built by projectors. And so there is not until recently, and that's what I've done with my work is to you know, uh, somewhat provide as much of an example of direction as I can. I'm not a generator. I'm not a builder. I can't build something, uh, but I can provide direction. I can be an example of direction and projectors need to have an example of direction that they can that they can go in not that they go my way they go their way but there has to be an example of direction and there hasn't been that there hasn't been that and so for a lot of projectors it's like well what do i do and then they go to you know this person or this person and they're not projectors and then and then you know you've got somebody that's here to manage energy that actually knows how to quantify energy being told by somebody who doesn't know how to quantify energy or manage energy how to operate and that's just backwards and it doesn't work yeah yeah for sure um and that's also something that's been fascinating to watch like um like all the conversations about projector like only projectors can guide other projectors Mm -hmm. you know um and i've I've really watched that play out in my own life. Like I've watched other projectors grab a hold of me and send me on a completely other, you know, completely different trajectory from the one that I was on, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a lot that, that has to go in and has to be, has to be established for us. And it, it's something that we're all left up to us uh, to, to get established. And so it's understandable that it hasn't been. Um, but, you know, things are, are going that way. And I don't, you know, in that, in, in the conversation of, of projectors making their, themselves more available, it's just a hard fuck no for me. Because if you're, if you're, you you can't be available because you need to be studying uh or you can't be available because you need to be with clients mm-hmm. you know it's like you, you you or you need to be resting or you, there there's plenty of things as a projector that that occupy your attention and that's part of where our value comes in is our attention Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody nobody can deny that because anybody that denies that I could sit in front of them and then the moment that I turn over, turn away from them they're gonna be like well where did your attention go mm-hmm. it's like yeah you know, there's people in design that will be like oh yeah no it's not yeah da, da, da. And it's like okay but then you're gonna ask me for guidance mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there was there, I remember when I, I I ruffled I ruffled a bunch of feathers one time and and uh, 
Yeah, people were really, and it, it was, I think it was on the topic of, of, of projectors guiding. And I think it was also on the topic of, of projectors giving out our authority to manifestors. And um, a manifestor that, that said that they didn't need projector guidance came and asked me a question. <laughs> and I, I said, you're asking for projector guidance. <laughs> Maybe I can't grab your monopole as easy as I can grab a generators, but we have things that we have to do. You know, we, 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 we have to study, we have to learn. We have a whole mastery process that we have to go to. And so we can't be available for whatever is there. And, you know, if we were to get really technical, really, really technical on the invitation, there has to be energy which means that somebody has to pay you. If we were to get really technical on our invitations, energy has to be provided, which means that if somebody is like, I want to invite you to do this and they're not providing you with uh, some sort of resources, technically that's not an invitation. You look at the sexuality manual from raw, that's source material. If there's not energy, technically it's not necessarily an invitation unless you deem it to be one. And so it's like, you know, to say that a projector needs to be available, it's like, huh? Yeah, no, you need to have the resources and you need to have the invitation and you need to have the recognition to give either of those. And I think that the sooner the other types understand how serious it is, then the easier things are going to be for them because they're, they're going to bump heads with projectors until they get the invitation right as projectors wake up because projectors are not going to keep working, overworking for free, you know, and, and, and putting in all of this effort to you know to get fake recognition you know as projectors wake up it's going to get to the point where you know you're going to go to you know half the projectors you go to are going to be like hard fucking no you know yeah at least half and you know now it's maybe like two two out of ten two three out of ten maybe but it's going to get to the point where it's like five or five or six out of ten are going to be like hard fucking no Right. And that's going to change the way that people interact with us and people are going to need the guidance. That's the thing is once 2027 comes, once the, when, when that changes, we're here to replace the background frequency. We're here to keep people in place. We're here to keep mm. it and keeps running. And that's from the projector empowerment lectures. We are here to make sure that things keep running. And so, yeah, there needs to be a, there needs to be a level of, of, of understanding and a level of respect that's shown to projectors for what we do and for what our role is going to be until, you know, until, until all of us leave these forms because the, after 2027, it's going to be a very different world. And if you need guidance, you're, you're going to need to go to a projector. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And this is something that I'm, to be honest with you, like I'm still really, experimenting with how this shows up in my own life, like how I'm receiving energy from other people, especially in the form of money. And it's, it's so weird. Like, I feel like there's not much, if, if anything at all in my configuration that leads to my understanding of like money and how money works and, and all that stuff. So it's, it's like for me trying to find the balance of, you know, and business is not it is not my system. It is not something that I guide people in. I guide people on their their bodies. I guide people through human design. Uh, business is like a whole other thing. And I think people would probably look at the way I do 
business quote unquote and just laugh or cringe or some combination but for me it's 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 kind of interesting to watch the balance sometimes because I'm finding that the clients I have now who I feel really successful with are people who I established a very strong secure foundation with first obviously fourth line right Right. um so it's like but I also at the same time I cannot deny that money gets my attention (laughs) you know like you got you got my attention when you invited me to come on the podcast Mm -hmm. um because you immediately offered me energy Mm -hmm. and it, it was like there was there was absolutely no resistance you know so I can't deny that in my experience that when people like come at me with money that Mm -hmm. that that there is significantly less resistance you know that comes my way but at the same time uh there is a foundation that I've established with you know many in my network that didn't start off that way like it didn't start off with a with monetary or anything like that um I think when other projectors come to me for advice on this, like the thing that I always say that I always go back to is like, it, does it, does it leave you feeling better? You know, like, does it lead you, does it leave you feeling really drained interacting with this person? Mm -hmm. Um, Cause I think that that is really telling. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it's, this is something coarse writing across the Maya, mastering the Maya. This is something that I've played with heavily in business is, is what, what feels good, what value exchanges feel good. And I've got a completely open ego and that's completely open. Ego is here to determine what is of worth, what is worthy and what's not worthy and what's worthy of material resources and what's not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something that, I have definitely experimented with is what as a projector, you know, as myself too, you know, but what feels good as a projector and what feels good as a projector, if you're going to give guidance, if you're going to provide, you know, really anything, it's going to come out of your definition. You know, I invite you to come on here is coming out of your definition is coming out of your channel of judgment, your ability for logical assessment of patterns and correction that's what when when i invite you that's what's coming on here and you know in in that sense when when you know that it's your definition it's very different it's not we're not we're not a you know, we're not talking about somebody bringing impact or somebody bringing energy you know to build or or create we're talking about the actual definition of a projected channel solely that's what's coming and so it's like how is that going to operate and i know that that operates best when there's energy that's provided for that definition i know that my definition is going to operate best when energy is provided for it you know and it's interesting because when that's when it's when the value exchange is there and the recognition is there it just comes through. There's no resistance, you know, there's no, but of course there has to be the recognition and the true recognition is only going to come from those that are correct for you. Um, in my experience, I've never 
received a, an invitation where there was true recognition and energy that was a no from my authority. But that comes down to discerning the recognition. You know, I've got, it's a true recognition is, is not a compliment. You know, it's not a compliment. It's not a, it's not a praise. Uh, true recognition is something you feel in your body. And that's, you know, that's, that's the precursor. That's what's funny is you can offer a, a projector energy, but if there's not the recognition there, then the projected channel can't, can't function. It's not going to function. It's not going to come. So it's, it's this whole, it's this whole piece that takes some navigation. It takes some learning. It's, ta- it's, it's taken me navigation and learning to see, okay. And then I, and then especially with my channel of inspiration, that's when I really noticed the difference was like, oh, okay. This is delivering entirely different in this situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to, I, I don't have to, you know, it's, it's just automatically the mechanism is kicking and it's not a, it's not a matter of like, okay, I got to do this. And then the mechanism eventually kicks, you know, it's mm-hmm. just on. So yeah, the energy piece and the, and the recognition is, is huge. Yeah. Yeah. So you often talk about, you talk about your definition in that way often, like you'll say things like my solar plexus forced the expression or your channel of inspiration is just kicking on and it's time to self-project. Um, I've been watching that with my channel of judgment of like, and this is something I've been contemplating is like, when do things come out with, when does, when does in the case of a projected channel specifically, like when is it that things just come out right because there are circumstances where i feel like even though i'm not necessarily being invited there are some scenarios where what needs to be corrected is so strong that i can't it's like i can't help myself (laughs) you know like when i worked in the hospital and when i felt like there was mistreatment of a child, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, I, I felt like I had no choice, but to correct that, you know, and obviously it wasn't necessarily invited or like in the case of, in the case of what was said on Instagram the other day about projectors making themselves available, like, and, and perhaps some of this is like guilt transference or whatever, but there was a part of me that was like, not a, I won't even say there's a part of me. It was like my, my whole beingness could not stand that this information was out there like i i had to correct it mm-hmm. so so i guess like what are your what are your thoughts on that when projected channels when it kind of exceeds the the need for a direct invitation when it just comes out i think we got to look at the circuitry and the purpose of it you know if you're if we're talking about a child you know like you you keeping a child from dying, well, that's a, that's a correction that's collective. If mm-hmm. we're talking about, you know, misinformation, um, you know, from somebody who's not a projector talking about projectors, uh, that's also a collective correct, correction. And so, yeah. you know, and we're also looking at the fuel coming from the root center. And when that yeah. fuel comes from the root center, it's going to force that, that expression is going to come through. Um, 
And, you know, this comes down to form principle. And a lot of the 1858s, it's like they run into the trouble of just correction. Yeah. You don't run into that. You're, you know, there's a lot of a lot of 1858s run into the problem where they're just correcting everything, you know, anything, anything they see that doesn't fit into their opinion. Right. right. And it's not necessarily based on logical pattern. It's, exactly. it's based on more what their preference is. Exactly. And it's yeah. not based off of, it's not, it's not there for collective value. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the resistance is. And that's when we know that that's actually not their 1858 that's coming from the mind. But like, if you can look at the patterns of, of, of your, you know, you getting the fuel because that's, you know, as a projector with a defined root, that's, that's where you're getting the fuel from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that as, as, as a project with, with the moting um, going to my solar plexus, it's, you know, you get this surge of adrenalized energy to your authority. And then that, that just happens. And that's, that's a matter of form principle. Um, so I think that for, for you or, you know, anybody that's 1858, but especially projectors, it's, uh, you know, that's a, there's a piece that you can discern is, is this fuel coming from my root center that I have to do something through form principle? And is it for collective correction? Or is this something that is, that's my personal preference and opinion of my mind and the identity construct that I have created over you know, my life, my lifetime? Uh, I think that there, there's a, I think that that alone, if you could, if you can put those on each side and you can tick those boxes, I think people can, I think people can figure out pretty quickly whether or not they're operating from their mind, you know, as a whole becomes the logical collective. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I know that, um, I think that with every 1858, right? Like that is something that we need to learn, you know, what is, what is actually in service to the collective versus what is our own personal, what is for our own personal gain? You know, Ra would talk about like if you're in 1858 and you don't like the way that your partner leaves toothpaste all over the bathroom or doesn't like the way they squeeze the toothpaste, you know, invent a toothpaste dispenser, like a collective, <laughs> you know, collective solution to an individual problem. Um, yeah, I think that that is like ultimately as a logical collective being you know, we're in service to the individual, we're in service to the tribe, we're, but, and we're also in service to uh, the abstract, the experiential, you know, because I think about it like, if I have 10 people who come to me and they all have, say they all have lower back pain, you know, they're all experiencing pain. Mm-hmm. This is part of their experience. And they come to me and I identify a pattern. Okay, every single person, when I look at them, they are losing the fight against gravity, so to speak. You know, let's say their pelvis is shifted forward and their rib cage is shifted backwards. And so I draw that logical conclusion and I say, okay, let's see what happens. And, and we know that through just basic Newtonian physics that, you know, when our bodies are oriented that way, there's going to be more compressive and shear forces on the lower portion of the spine. So if I take those, those patterns and I, and I apply them and I help those people change their physical structure um then the you know the hypothesis is that hopefully they get out of pain hopefully this improves but but again it's not just about the pattern it's i need to be able to improve their experience you know and because without experience there is no point to logic 
But then at the same time, like, let's say I take the same 10 people and instead of focusing on correcting the pattern that I see, I, uh, I, I do some other modalities to try to just help them with the experience. You know, let's say I, I put them in some like hot and cold therapies or just light massage or something like that. Nothing that's focused on actually changing the pattern, you know, and then, and then at the end of all that, let's say all of them, they have a better experience. They're like, oh, I'm out of pain. I'm like, okay, great. Your experience changed, but for how long? Like, and is it verifiable with, you know, over time? Hmm. Um, And um, I think that's where I also see this with like a lot of, a lot of the collective, it's like very, it's either very logical. It's like logic and experience are like, there's a barrier between the two in yeah. a lot of in a lot of the world you know and it's like um you look at again going back to like homogenized spirituality it's like all about the experience and how you feel mm-hmm. but um but like when you look at things like let's use like manifestation and law of attraction right like mm-hmm. people realize it, it makes you thinking that way engaging with those philosophies maybe makes you feel good initially but then over time when you realize it doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) like then where are you you know and then we have like this the scientific world that's very focused on like patterns but then is how is improving people's experience you know and Mm -hmm. i just to me that gives a whole other meaning to you know, being cross of service and, and not only am I purely collective, but like my entire cross is all, mm-hmm. is also all logical collective gates too. So I don't know, to me, that adds a whole other dimension to being of service. It's like, I'm not just logical for the sake of being logical. It's always going to go back to. Yeah, exactly. Else. Yeah. It's, you, you know, you know how to play your position that's that's really what what so much comes down to in in design you know at, at least from the level of knowing what how you were designed you know and and you know, having an idea of, of how to utilize the skills that you have the talents that you have um the mastery that you have is is do you know your position do you know your role because you know it's knowing your position, knowing your role, it's a, it's a matter of, of watching your life play out through the vehicle. And so many people, so many people will deny what their actual role is. They'll deny what their actual position is. And it's not never a matter of, of, of anything being better than the other. It's, it's a matter of, aces in their place it's a matter of this or that right everything is different and you know it, it's for me it's really apparent when somebody knows their role you know mm. their, they know their position they know you know what what role they have to play um because there's a there's a there's a more relaxedness um to to them you know there there's there's a there's less tension to them less uh I can tell that they're a lot less in their mind um, 
you know, there's less that's coming out uh, of that projector. That projector is, is observing more than they are interacting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, for the, for the other types too, I think it's, it's important for everybody to know what their role is and what their position is. And, you know, that that's written in your design. It's like, Ross, it's the lines of your script. It's like every, you know, everything's written in your design and it's, it's a matter of accepting that, you know, it's a matter of, of accepting that. And, you know, once you accept that your, your limitations, you know, it's this is limitation, right? You accept mm-hmm. your limitations. It's uh, accepting your limitations is the way, only way to transcend your limitations. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see that when it comes to experiences, it is interesting as, as a parent visual watching the way that logical collective and log- logical abstract operate is really fascinating for me. Um, I'm a 42 son, so I am, my, my son imprint is abstract. You know, I am across the Maya. It is it's partly abstract, partly logical. Yeah, actually, it's it's not a. There's in, in my cross. There's just one piece of individuality, which is sixty one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of it is, is collective and one travel piece. So it's. I understand experience because my entire cross is based off experience. It's based off cycles. Um, and it's interesting to work with people who process things abstractly as opposed to people who process things logically because i get to wa- i get to witness i get to watch mm-hmm. this play yeah. out i get to watch the whole drama play out right yeah <laughs> and and it is very different i mean i could watch a projector with the prodigal come with a story and i'm like holy shit this is detailed like i can't even you know it's memory circuit and i'm like whoa and then i'll listen to a, a projector that has the alpha self-project for the for their hour and it's you know it's this logical experimentation process but there is like there's a barrier that they can't connect like mm-hmm. the collective, it's like you can't, con- like, at least right now, it seems like there's trouble connecting the two. Yeah. Like... Yeah, I see that too. And I think it comes, it comes back to what you're saying about accepting your role. And like, if I accept my role that I am here for the, like, for the logical correction and for the mastery of patterns and for gathering the evidence and, and for all of that. And if I accept that role and I help people have better experiences, then that helps me to also have acceptance that like, I'm not the one who necessarily needs to have the experiences. Like I'm just in service to that. Um, and I think there's a disconnect there where I don't know exactly what it is, to be honest. Like, I don't know if it's because, I don't know if it's the lack of acceptance of the role of like, I don't have the experiences, so therefore I'm bitter and I don't like you because because you have the experiences and experiences are, they're only anecdotes, right? Or it's like, um, (laughs) not peer reviewed study, you know, it's like, it's like, but well, where did peer reviewed studies even come from in the first place? They yeah. come from somebody somewhere had an experience and they're like, well, that's interesting. I wonder if there's a, a larger pattern to this, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, like that's how the whole process starts. But anyway, so I think it, like possibly it comes from this um, like 
wishing that they had that. And then because they don't have that, they're like, well, that's stupid. And they just throw that away. But, you know, obviously that's the magic of design is realizing, like you said, knowing your role. And um, I was just talking to Jen, uh, Jen Cole about like, she does these like ask me anythings on her stories. And she like almost every time she does it, she'll get a question about channel of judgment. Like, and it's usually with the undertone of like, how do you handle having the channel of judgment? Mm-hmm. Um, like as though it's like, I don't know. I always go back to when Rob would like, he would talk about when people would come to him and say things like, oh, like that design, that configuration must be so hard. And he's like, what do they see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I get it. Some of it just is people just want to understand and there are certain words that develop certain connotations and people get trauma with the word judgment because judgment was possibly used in the the incorrect way of like you said making it about a personal thing rather than the collective thing um but yeah i like you said it really goes down to just acceptance of of the role yeah accepting 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 one's role because if if you can do that if you can do that then you can live it out and you know it's especially so much for projectors because you're you are your definition you know you're not the energy that you bring you're not the impact you are your definition like Mm -hmm. that's what you are and so knowing that is very very important Mm-hmm. And, and you know you're not going to know that projectors not going to know that like through reviewing their own body graph you're going to learn that through the other you're going to learn that through your interactions and, and seeing things like i didn't understand individuality until i had gotten to a certain point in my process i, I didn't understand i mean i always knew i was different i always knew that i was mutative i always knew i always knew those things before design i knew those things but i didn't understand it i didn't i didn't i didn't it, it hadn't gotten to the point where it is now, where it's like, now it's like, don't fucking interfere with me. Mm-hmm. I will yeah. go to war if you try to interfere with me. Like it wasn't to that point. I used to concede. I used to compromise. I used to be super, super tolerant of things. And I still am probably a little bit too tolerant. At least that's what some of our predecessors think. I'm a little too tolerant, but you know, it's mm-hmm. like, a, and then I got to a certain point where I was like, oh, really, like, I'm really not here to do any of that. I'm not here to allow anything to compromise me. I've always been beyond influence. Influence just doesn't work. I'm too deaf. It just doesn't work. But I did yeah. get to a point in my process where I was like, okay, individuality is just, you just can't do, there's just not a, you know, it's like, somebody's like, compromise with me. They're like, you know, agree with me. And I'm like, fuck no like mm-hmm. <laughs> i just i can't you know it's like yeah we're not gonna shake hands on it nah. and it's not a and it's because that compromises what i am and what i'm here to do and mm-hmm. that was a hard thing it's a hard thing to accept that when you're as an individual like for me as an individual it's a hard thing to accept on the outside it look it, it can look on the outside it can look like oh wow the individual just doesn't give a fuck and yeah they don't, they don't have to 
um, you know, they, they can just operate outside the collective and the tribe. They can, yeah. yes, and we can, but we have to know how to operate inside the tribe and the collective in and out, in and out, yeah. in and out throughout our lives. And so from the outside, it can look like, you know, we're really radical or, you know, however, however we're, we're viewed, but for the individual, we're always walking this tightrope of maintaining the integrity of our individuality. Yeah. And so there's always this, there's always pressure and mutation works under pressure. So there's always this pressure from everybody that's outside. And I had to get to a point in my process where I could accept that pressure, where I could say, okay, this is the, this is the norm where I could say, okay, opposition is the norm where I could say pressure is the norm. Projections are the norm. All of this is, this is normal. Like this is, it's supposed to feel like this for me to live out my circuitry like i had to get to a point where i was like it's supposed to feel like this it's supposed to feel i'm supposed to feel this pressure i'm supposed to feel this opposition i'm supposed to feel this resistance i'm supposed to be the villain you know i'm supposed like this is this is what it is to be an individual Mm -hmm. i'm the villain half the time you know like once i accepted that and and as i continue through my process and accept it more and more those those things just as examples living out my circuitry becomes easier you know yeah. it, it it becomes something where it's just kind of it's, it's natural it's not something i have to approach on the intellectual plan anymore it's just through the vehicle it's form principle now but i think that for any projector you know like projector that's purely tribal they have to know that they are going to operate hardcore through tribal bargains through tribal rules yeah. through you know they're that's how they're going to operate and they have to know that they have to make that bargain they have to know that they need the verbal agreement that they need the handshake mm-hmm. We need yeah. those things. You yeah. know, we have to live those out. It can't be, you know, it, it, it can't be assumed. You know, somebody that's tribal, if they, they have to make that bargain. That has to be a conversation. That can't be assumed. Um, you know, just, just things like that are so, and then there's things like, you know, you're, you're purely collective. Somebody, I and mean, you've got an undefined ego. Nobody can hold you to a commitment. I mean, it's, it's Nobody can hold you to a commitment because you're, that's not what you're here for, and you don't have a defined ego, you know. So there's right. like there's the other piece where it's like you know you'd be in a relationship with somebody or be friends with somebody, and they try to hold you to a commitment, and you've got an undefined ego, and you're not tribal. It's like, and with the awareness of design, it's like yeah, no, fuck no, right? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like it's like this is just the just just as I can't be expected to share something, right? Right. And I can't, I can't expect you to empower me. Right. Yes. No, exactly. I'm so happy you brought this up because I feel like this is almost the most pivotal thing to talk about, about relationships outside of type is, is their roles with their circuitry. Because when my partner and I realized that, okay, so he, he's individual and tribal and then, you know, obviously I'm collective. So when we finally crossed that barrier of realizing the ways in which I was expecting him to share and understand, and then the ways he was expecting me to empower him and support him. And, and like, it was like, we just, we ripped off this huge veil and this huge barrier that was between us because like the, just like you said, I cannot be held to a supportive role. Mm -hmm. And when I try, it physically harms me. I physically have chest pain. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not just some like, this is not just another personality typing system. This is somatic. This lives in the body. This is real. This is real. 
you yeah. know um yeah yeah it's, it's, it's so good it's the actual energy that's in the body it's juxtaposition two things in the same place at the same time this is the dark matter mechanisms that are in the body and yeah it's if you you can feel it in your on your your heart center if you have an undefined ego and you're correct and something pushes or pulls at that you can feel it Mm -hmm. yeah and that you know we wonder why we have heart disease and heart attacks yes because everybody with undefined egos you know pushing themselves it's like they these are actual i like that you bring that up because these are actual pieces of of our lives that our you know our bodies can get affected right it's like the person with the undefined root you know their adrenal glands like it's like you know they 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 can't have somebody with an unhealthy defined root that's like rushing them that's expecting them to be you know under this pressure um you know there's so many you know with with any piece of openness there's its own you know its own wisdom and the way that it can be affected by you know somebody with not you know not self-definition or not self-openness but it's understanding in in relationships no matter what the dynamic is really important you know knowing which which friends can do what you know and uh, as a projector where it's you you are your definition you really cannot expect anything from a projector that is outside of their definition Mm -hmm. you can't because you can't you can't recognize us for something that's outside of our definition can't invite us for something that's outside of our definition and so i mean there can be an understanding there can be an awareness that's there you know the, anything can can work through awareness any relationship can work through awareness uh, the right amount of awareness of course as long as the authority is involved but you know that, that is, those expectations definitely have to be they have to be they have to be checked because it's it's not here's judgment sense I'm on the other <laughs> you know, it's not right it's mm-hmm. it's not right to hold somebody to to those things and that's like a it's something that you that you learn through experience and design you know through your relationships with people like oh yeah they actually can't empower me or they can't support me or they can't share with me but but for for me as a pure individual it's something that's like it's very apparent to me because I'll be you know i'll be facilitating something and i don't have anything to share <laughs> yeah or or i go i go you know, i go to ask somebody something and i'm like oh pure individual and then i go to somebody else because it just comes in my awareness yeah no i'm not asking them to share um mm. because in us it's like you're trying to you're trying to get into my you know you're, you're trying to get into my vault you're trying to <laughs> you're trying to breach me um that's the way the individual feels when they're asked to then you need to share something it's like no or I'm private, I'm mysterious, I am, you can't know all of these things about me, um, because then we can't operate. There's no uh, way to yeah. operate um, into this individuality. It keeps itself secure very much through its own privacy, its own, that's why we're so personal is because we have to, when you have to operate alone, you can't share support, right? When you have to mm-hmm. operate alone, at in the worst case, in the worst case scenario, you have to operate alone. the support's not there and so we have you know genetically we're just we have this predisposition to hiding our pain individuals don't show pain we don't show pain we don't show our weaknesses um, and we don't share things because that's naturally going to open us up to you know situations or or people that 
could give us resistance because what's always moving against the individual is always more, it's not just one person, it's always groups of people. And so it's, it's something that's apparent to me as a, as a pure individual is like how difficult and how much resistance is there in my body to even try and share or support. Like, it's just not Mm. there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, thank you for, thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah. (laughs) But you're like, I can't share. Thank you for sharing. But that, that helps me a lot too, to delineate between sharing and externalizing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because you can externalize anything. You can externalize any part of your design. But sharing a lot of the times is more personal. Even if I'm sharing my logical process through my power view, it still has a personal touch because I do need to be able to verify how I got there. Right. Right? So, um so it, oftentimes it is a sharing of um, intimate, like an intimate collection mm-hmm. of, of data. Huh? Yeah. You have yeah. To. Interesting. For me, it's, you know, it's largely kind of, you know, every, everything's coming from my G. So it's, it's largely, you know, it's a mechanism. It's a mechanism. It's not a, and it's, a, it's my contribution. Right. That's all I can really do. All I can do is contribute. Uh, channel of inspiration just makes its contribution goes on its way. Um, all I can do is make my contribution, which is an interesting thing because that means like, you know, I'm not here for discussion. I'm not designed for discussion. Yeah. Like I can have communion with you. Yeah. But if like we're in a group of people, all I can do is make a contribution, and that's not a bad thing. Like there's a there's reason for that because that is an example of direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's interesting to see even like our limitations in in, in group dynamics. Um, and yeah, the, the, where communion comes in. Like right now, we can see where our mechanics are working, right, and and what we're able to do. It's really cool. Yeah, and we're connecting through that through our different perceptions of it. You know, like I'm I see design as a as a collection of logical patterns, and you see it as like as your individual knowings and experiences of how that has played out mm-hmm. but it gives us a connecting point you know mm-hmm. really really something and and yeah like i think that's it's interesting to think about it like that too i think in the in, in the beginning when i was like okay so correction logical judgments and corrections are like the only thing that I'm bringing, you know, like, but it is fascinating to watch because I have both, I have 18.6, it's my design son. I also have 18.5. Um, so, and hope motivation, you know, so oftentimes I have people coming to me like almost for reassurance, like, and it's really, and it is really interesting to watch when I look at the bulk of my day-to-day conversations these days, the majority of it is people either want my correction or they want to know that they're it's like 18 sticks can see what doesn't need to be corrected like what's already perfect mm-hmm. and so it's like they need it's like their reassurance and the hope that they're already on the right path and nothing needs to be corrected and 
there's such a variety of ways that that can show up. And I don't actually feel limited at all in that experience now. But in the beginning, I was like, really, that's it? <laughs> <laughs> and then, then you look at a, a sacral chart and they've got like nine channels. And you got your one, and you're like, you're trying to like, you know, the mind tries to measure, tries to measure that. And it's like, oh, actually, yeah, no, <laughs> that's not the way that it works. Yeah, it's almost like people who have more definition, they have more responsibilities, you know, in a way. It's, uh, you know, projectors, we're pretty, I mean, we're, we're, we're a cast. We're, we're, we're here for one thing, really. Um, you know, and, and so, and that we've got, we have, uh, you know, that's our purpose. Guidance is our purpose. Um, whether it's an individual or whether it's one person or a group. Uh, but yeah, our definition is what defines us and how we're going to do that and where we're going to excel and where we're going to be limited, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where, where we're going to be limited. And as a, you know, for a projector, you know, I think single channel projectors are fascinating to me because you have so much openness. And I see single channel projectors that can, you know, it's like you have one channel, yeah but you're so much more than just the one channel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that channel is the, the circuitry that gives you the, the flavor, right, of, of everything that you are, you know? And so it's funny because the mind wants to measure how many channels there are or you know, this or that. Mm-hmm. But the mind, there's not a way for it to quantify the experience of the consciousness that's in, that is in the vehicle, and what that, that consciousness is experiencing. So... Like, like I, all the single check, I know a lot of single channel projectors. I've worked with a lot of projectors, taught hundreds of projectors, and the single channel projectors tend to oh, tend to be more tend to be more discerning about about the people around them, about about energy. Um, and now it can go the other way. They can also be very oblivious to it in the sense that they get caught up in, in the energy trip, but a lot of. Yeah. I have a very conditionable sacral. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Extremely. There can be that that piece, but there's also the piece where sometimes like, you know, there'll be single channel projectors and they're really like, they, they have some serious fuck off energy, like, because they don't, you know, they're, they're like, uh, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to take all that in and amplify it at 200%. Um, and is that what that is I always just thought that judgment just had like re- like that was just my face at rest that's <laughs> a judgment thing <laughs> amplifying and absorbing it 200 percent yeah uh, I I it I have the you know the this the two four movement of, of of staying out of the conditioning fields and staying away from the yeah. populace and and my individuality staying away from that but that's that's a, that's very different from you know, the single channel projector that moves through moves through the world in, in a way that they stay you know out of being stuck in in a transoric form right or being mm-hmm. stuck in in some really nasty conditioning because <clears throat> through the fir- at the fir- you know at the beginning and the at the at the seduction point it's like 
Oh, but it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. And you really get into it. <laughs> you really get into it. And it's like, yeah, so you're amplifying and absorbing everything at 200%. Um, and, you know, this is distracting you. This is putting you in a transference. Like, and then you start to see all the mechanisms and everything kind of coming together slowly, slowly as you like enter into your process and you get out of the experimental phase. And then it's like, oh, fuck. Now, how do I move through the world? What's that like for you? As a single channel projector. Mm. Yeah. uh, (laughs) So much I could say, but this is putting so many words to my experience. My mom is uh, also a four, six projector. She's an emotional projector and she's wide split like you. And she's also cross of the Maya. I think maybe we've talked. What's that? Does she have emoting? She does. Yeah. She has emoting recognition and awareness. Those are her three channels. She's, uh, you know, mostly individual with the, also with the collective channel. Mm-hmm. And I, I found, I found myself wondering, like, especially when I was first getting into design, knowing she was a projector and everything, like wondering why I was so much more sensitive than she was like, mm-hmm. uh, as far as kind of what you said, when I reached my limits with how much energy I can take in and be conditioned by and feel at 200%, I'm just done. Like, I'm just, I'm so done. And, um, it doesn't take a lot for me to, to snap at someone. Like, in fact, the other day I, um, you know, around my family, being around my family a lot recently, I'm the only non-emotional. Um, and that's, you know, both my parents, both my step parents, uh, all, all four of my siblings are all emotional. Um, and then my dad's the only defined spleen, uh, only other defined spleen. So it's, it's really fascinating to see that. Like they most, mostly undefined spleen. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, so they like, they look at me like I'm crazy. Cause they're like, <laughs> like impulsive and reckless and, and everything. And, you know, obviously I'm just com- have a completely different configuration than they do. Um, but I can feel where like, especially with their emotional frequency and it's interesting because like, you know, I have a completely open solar plexus and then I have a very, uh, I have a lot of hanging gates on my sacral. I had, I think I have four gates hanging on my sacral and then I have four gates pointing at it. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the way I experience the difference between like absorbing solar plexus energy, it's like, it feels so intense, like in the moment. Um, and I feel so out of control sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm, when I'm in that situation, but then it's like the second I'm away from it, the second I get an opportunity to be in my own energy again and, and kind of let myself release some of that conditioning. Uh, I, I get like the, the awareness comes from it very quickly, you know, of like, oh yeah, that was like, I'm very aware that that wasn't me. Um, right. whereas my sacral, like, I'm very aware. Usually I'm being conditioned by sacral energy and now I'm going to pay for it later. Um, but it just happens. And, but, and then though, like on the flip side of that, it's like, it takes so long to, for that to leave. And also some of that too, is like, I'm a, I'm a generator in the dream rave or whatever. Oh, you are. Yeah. And so I don't even really get that full, rest like when I'm asleep and uh, sleep is just like a whole other struggle for me like I wake up exhausted and I feel like I have to it's like the first 
hour or two, it's almost like I have to rest from being asleep. Like it's a whole other, whole other thing. But anyway, so my experience of the dichotomy of those two, like when I'm with emotional, with a lot of emotionals, um, especially those who, who don't have awareness of like how their frequency is impacting me. Uh, I, I get, I reach this place where like, I just, I just cannot, I just simply cannot anymore. <laughs> like, um, I have to remove myself and, um, I find like I had reached that place of feeling I'm totally full and I just can't anymore. And my partner came over and he just like touched me on the arm and I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, I cannot be touched right now. Um, yeah. So I, I, I definitely agree that it's like, I don't have, I'm very aware of the fact that I don't, I don't have a choice when I get to that point of my body is just so full of frequencies. I have to remove myself. Uh, and thankful, like I have a defined root. So it literally, literally just like will move me away from an environment. Um, and, uh, it's also, I think, interesting because like I have an extremely defined route. Like I think 12 of my placements are in my route. And so I don't experience, like I think a lot of single channel people, they have a lot of hanging gates. And so right. they kind they kind of hook into a lot of people and, and they, right. they, they make nine and O's or eight and ones right. with, with a lot of people. I don't because like a lot of my hanging definition is already on my defined route. So like a lot of my relationships are like seven and two, six and threes, even five and fours. So mm. I think, I think that's another interesting part of my experience where like, I don't, I may, maybe that also helps me break away. Cause I don't get absorbed in like a nine. Yeah. And yeah. No, that is a, that, I like that you bring that up. Cause I, I have a very contained design as well. I only have, uh, let's see, I've got two hanging gates and undefined centers, two completely open centers. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like, yeah, there's, there's not very, there's not very much. There's not very much. I've got, I've got one hanging in my spleen, one hanging in my head, and then I've got three hanging in my sacral. Everything else is in my definition. Like it's, it's very contained and I'm a wide split. So I don't, get caught in caught in um, conditioning fields as much as as some people um but yeah a projector with a bunch of hanging gates and undefined centers that can really get caught in 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 transorg forms that can really get caught in um and subject to the to that conditioning until they learn to to kind of get out or how to yeah how to how to avoid it it's just always staying on the outside it's you know, when you have a completely open center, like you were saying with your, your solar plexus, oh, something funny that just came in. I have my <laughs> projector, splenic projector when I sleep. Oh, wow. I sleep and I'm splenic and then I wake up and I'm emotional. But So um, do you feel like, do you, do you feel like like safe is like your safe space? Almost like sleeping? you feel, what's that? Sleeping or? Sleeping. Oh. Yeah. Cause you have like that sense of safety and comfort from your spleen when you're asleep. No, I don't know. No, all my dreams are pretty gnarly. My dreams Aww. are, pretty, they're pretty gnarly. It's all, they're all really fast paced. Um, Was it channel of struggle you have? A lot of, no, it's the brainwave. Oh, wow. Okay. It's all like just very, yeah, everything is just, is very 
just penetrating awareness and very visceral and very in the now. Mm. I, I mean, I understand, I think that I know what it's like to connect to the brainwave. Um, Neo, the Corgi, he's a 57. So <laughs> him, I have the brainwave and he has yeah. connected to his spleen where his personal yeah, yeah. is every time around him. Um, I know what it's like. Um, but it's just, it's interesting because I'm in, in, in my, in my dreams, I'm such a, it's like, things are so fast. Like things are very fast. They're mm-hmm. all happening very fast. And I know what it's like for things to happen fast. Uh, you know, when I'm awake, but I have emoting and you probably know if you're wrong, emoting is a very, like, it's just is a very powerful, like, don't fuck with me energy. Oh, just, for sure. It's not a, it's not like. That's the thing about having emotions. It's just extreme emotion or the pressure to feel extreme emotion. And so, you know, I'm not sensitive. I, 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 I <laughs> it doesn't mean that I don't feel extreme emotion. I feel extreme emotion, but because I feel extreme emotion, I'm not sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's a, uh, and that doesn't mean that I'm not emotional. I have the channel of, of emotion. It's emoting. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's very, it's different. It's different. My, my waking experience and, and my, my sleeping experience, I can see where, where it's different and the way that, the way that I would react in my dreams isn't much different. I'm still very much me um, in right. that sense, but I can tell that I don't, I don't move. Things aren't as slow. At least mm. that's the way that it feels is things aren't as slow. Whereas me, it, being correct in my emotional system, I move slow. My life is slow. Everything is <laughs> slow. I've got an authority that's always processing every decision I make constantly that doesn't turn off. You know, everything is like this whole process. Yeah. But yeah, I fall asleep and I become one of those speedy little splenic projectors. I fall asleep. That's so interesting. I have, I have 515 in the dream rave so i so i lose my spleen so sleep uh sleep doesn't feel it doesn't feel safe doesn't feel good uh, like i fight it i it's like I, when, as i'm falling asleep it's like i'm fighting that i'm falling asleep like it's like so trippy um and then yeah people are like what is that like i don't know it's a 515 it's also a logical collective channel so that's interesting but i very rarely have like movie scene like dreams it's like it kind of feels like I'm having a psychedelic trip when I dream where it's like I just see like weird like geometric patterns and shapes but it's it's almost like as that's happening in there it's it feels like my form is like working to try to solve something (laughs) like like it's trying to understand the patterns of life and then I wake up and I'm just like it it's is. such a trip. <laughs> that is a trip. Well, you're a 57 when you're awake, right? Mm-hmm. So if if I I'm I'm pretty sure that if, the, if you're a 57 when you're awake, that can have to do with tomorrow. That mm. can have to do with, with what's what's going to happen tomorrow. Oh. Uh, so it it could be that. It could, be, it could also be that like before um young me like i'm i'm a, I'm a 10 20 and the 10th mm-hmm. kid will get melancholic about like how people behave 
Mm-hmm. Tell me, is it 10.5? I'm always melancholic about how people behave, right? <laughs> behave. Yeah. So sometimes like I'll get melancholic about how people behave because they don't know how to behave and I just like want to go to sleep. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like it's the, the way that- the Oh, way that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just like- <laughs> I mean, you you know, your your mom has a motive. You know, if like we get really mad, we just want to sleep. If we get really angry, mm-hmm. we just want to sleep. Like we're just, yeah, no, we just check out. Um, the emotional system will just check out. And so it's interesting to see how integration, that survival circuit, those activations can affect us. Like when we just, what we do, like, you know, you would think that people wouldn't necessarily think that individual activations or especially integration circuit activations would have that much of an impact in their melancholy, but they do. Like mm-hmm. just you having that 57 can can have a lot of like effect on your awareness melan- when it comes to the melancholy that you get. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, n- I mean, I, I don't know if I can really tease, tease out my experience of you know, Ra would talk about too, if you have hanging, those hanging gates on the root that point towards the sacral, that you can also experience depression. And then he also talked about collective beings experiencing despair. So sometimes despair. I, yeah. I don't despair. So I, I don't know sometimes is, is it despair that I'm experiencing? Is it just those, like the, the depressive feeling of I have root energy, but it's not going to towards something you know that, that's basically like what depression is right he was talking about that right. it's like yeah is it dep- is it depression is it despair is it melancholy like <laughs> i was so like in the beginning of this process i was like how is it, how is it possible that i am not an emotional being because i was like yeah. i was like so emotional like i would cry just, just crying was just like my regular experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you and I had a conversation about this during immersion. And I was like, is the crying ever going to stop? And we had a conversation about just, you know, emotional conditioning and how eventually, like as I decondition, the emotional frequency will begin to just kind of wash through me and it won't have as many intense emotional experiences anymore and I was like I guess we'll see and that's so true though like I'm it's it's wild to watch like things that come on tv like emotional emotional movies or some things that used to just Mm -hmm. just like I would see that and it would just wreck me or like someone I love is going through an emotional experience or my mom is an emotional low or whatever like things that used to just really Mm -hmm. um impact me in that way it it doesn't anymore um it's it's really trippy and and then there's the like like come coming to terms with the coldness you know like yeah i'm just not warm and fuzzy i'm just i'm just i'm not a warm (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) and you know you're i mean splenic beings you're just you're 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 not you know it's like i and on the other, it's like, it's funny. On the other hand, it's like you get an emotional projector. We're hot. Like we're, you know, we're, we're, we're intense. We're hot. It's, there's the mo you know, there's adrenalized energy or, you know, ego energy connected to the solar plexus. And we're, we've got this penetrating, it's like, it's hot. It's, it's like this, 
it's it's different the way that we interact in the world and the way that we interact with each other right it's like i'll come into your aura and i could have whatever emotion i have you know what i mean but like you're gonna feel that emotion and that emotion mm-hmm. is hot. It's, you know there's not, mm-hmm. not it's not cold um and you know then me i feel the comfort of the spleen right oh there's mm-hmm. oh now, now i can calm down it's um it's it's interesting that you have things that you do have to come to terms with with your definition for sure you you do have to come to terms with i as a projector with the moding there's a lot that i uh, that i've had to that i had to come to terms with before design but um you you have to you know and i think also like the conditioning um you know that you that you receive as a woman to be warm yeah yes something yeah. not you know it's like how about the conditioning as a man to be logical <laughs> <laughs> to not to not be emotional right like well, that's the thing is it's like it's funny it's really funny because people will say you know the homogenized idea of men not being emotional you know because they have something they need to do or, or whatever it is you know they need to be logical they need to be this they need to be that well i can i can say right now that logic doesn't do fucking shit for you in war mm-hmm. it doesn't yeah it doesn't do anything for you in, in in a really fucking gnarly situation it doesn't do anything and emotions do a lot for you in war mm. a lot for you because that's you can move off of that's you mean when you get into those situations like everybody's everybody is reacting or reacting or moving yes sure off the the survival fear but also off emotion if you don't have if you don't put some sort of emotion or absorb some emotion if that's not moving through you probably gonna die yeah like you you, there because there's nothing to to hold on to you know like you're you're holding that's how i can sustain fighting for so long is because i'm fueled by passion that's my fuel Mm, my fuel is passion and so it's like you know it is funny in in the sense of like the power that that is there is immense yeah and the the homogenized conditioning see it as a weakness because it can't comprehend the power that is there yeah the power of a a healthy solar plexus like it's it's there and everybody can feel it everybody's going to feel it you know and so it i'll take my fucking cheesecake and pain and breakfast in the morning and i'll i'll have my fucking crying (laughs) i'll take i'll take all of that because it is it's much better to to be aware and to live my definition i just don't know what anything's like outside of having emoting you know yeah um uh, whether it's the part of it where there's the pressure to emote which is this like empty melancholic numbness or it's the extreme pain or the extreme hope i don't know anything outside of of those kind of three frequencies and so there is a lot of it is interesting to accept that the conditioning and it wasn't difficult for me because i wasn't conditioned by my family to hide emotions or to not be emotional. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate. Uh, I, you know, I was raised, my mother's a pure individual and I was, the, the conditioning that I got was very much to be myself. And uh, you know, I was empowered constantly. And so I didn't receive that, but 
at the same time, that does create the, the existential dilemma of facing the world and then the world throwing that at your face and you're like, what yeah. the f no, that's not what it is to be a man. Mm -hmm. and so it is, I've had to carve, very much had to carve out my own differentiated you know, way of, of seeing what it is to be a man and living, living mm -hmm. that out. Mm -hmm. you know? um, and it's, it's different. It's definitely, definitely different when, when you're, when you're emotional and you're mm -hmm. also, you know, as a projector, that's a man, I don't have the energy to work. I don't have the energy yeah. to do all of these physical activities. You know, there's also that you have to give, and I have to give that up. I used to carry mm -hmm. a machine gun for fuck's sake. I used to, <laughs> you know, I did have yeah. two generators with me at all time though. You know, I did, I did yeah. have, I did have two generators with me at all times. So it's, there's a lot to, a lot of conditioning to give up and, and change, I think, just as a projector, as a, as a whole, because you yeah. are conditioned to be a generator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like with the, with the gender roles, you know, like, yeah, on the one hand, what you're saying about how, you know, as a projector, you, you don't have the energy to work, which is often seen as a quote unquote masculine quality like like the energy to to do and to make things happen and things like that but then on the other hand like it's hilarious for me to think about it's like I have a <laughs> I have a penetrating aura <laughs> I'm penetrating aura I'm purely logical I'm not warm I'm a base one I'm like <laughs> like all these things that are so not traditionally feminine and like yeah I guess the one the one I guess kind of more yen thing mm -hmm. that I have is not having the energy not having a sacral being very open just in general with all my seven open centers but I do really appreciate that about design that it really just smashes these homogenized quote unquote masculine versus feminine <laughs> you know whatever uh, yeah we could do a whole episode on that Next yeah time. for sure <laughs> mm. yeah uh, design smashes a lot of things and i think there's something that something that is going to be a future conversation that is going to have to be faced by a lot of people is what's going to happen after institutions crash and the things that sustain or maintain the conditioning around what is masculine what is feminine and what the roles are of anything that's mm -hmm. going to crumble here in a few years or begin to crumble and that's going to change everything so the entire our entire conditioning around who does what, uh, you know, over the past couple hundred years since projectors have been around has really changed um, to the institutions. And it's, it's with the frequency changing, going into individuality and going into integration individuality, it's like, how much have we built off of the program that is not us 
what we were, what were we, how did we function as a species before the cross of planning? Yeah. Because we're going to get thrown back into that in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think it's important for everybody in design to like, really, you know, you really need to be in your authority. You really need to you know, put in the, the discipline and, and, the, and the effort. And, you know, if you're a projector, you need to put in the study because when 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 the change happens it's going to rock everybody it's going to rock me and i have the same frequency in my solar plexus i'm at 55 Mm -hmm. 6.6 i have i have that same frequency that's coming in the background and it's going to rock me yeah so i think just for everybody it's you know i think that's something like it's really good to end on is that you you have to know and you 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 learn this through experience. That's the thing. You can't look at your body graph and and know these things. You can't, mm-hmm. as you're not going to. You, you might have an idea, but you have to know through living it through strategy and authority. And you know, if you're at the point to go through radical transformation, then through radical transformation to learn these aspects of of yourself, so that when background frequency changes, to the cross of the sleeping phoenix, you can operate correctly on this plane as yourself without being disoriented mm-hmm. yeah, because all the identity constructs are going to they're going to get shattered eventually uh, at some point in your process and it's a lot better that that those get confronted you know, sooner rather than later we're all on our own time frame it's not like you can speed that up but the sooner that somebody really puts in the the effort and the discipline you know the energy the time into living life as themselves and living life as their, their true self, the better off they're going to, to be when it comes to, you know, getting their footing and laying the foundation for the future. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I have nothing to add to that. I think that's a, yeah, I think that's a great completion point for sure. You're awesome, Jesse. I really appreciate you bringing on your brilliance and, your entire logical process and your experiences and and what you've you've tested and what you've tried and what you've seen and experienced it's it's very valuable to have to have that uh that awareness Uh, and it is in service of of others having that awareness and and giving being a, a being that can actually give true hope to others is is immensely valuable and mm-hmm. so i appreciate you giving your your time and your energy and coming on for communion with me today mm. thank you brayton yeah thanks for inviting me and it was truly an honor and um yeah i look forward to just our future <laughs> future conversations definitely there will be more okay thanks jesse thanks brayton bye for now bye